0: As you may have seen in emails or uh, even in the intro to this, we're starting a time where we're going to spend some time with the book of Exodus, God's people who are bring, being brought out of slavery and into the promised land, but for a long time in the middle, they're in the wilderness, and well, because we're in sort of the middle of the wilderness of our own, we're going to jump right into the middle of their story, Exodus 17, the people of Israel have been liberated from Egypt, they've celebrated the first Passover, they've come through the Red Sea, and they're almost, but not quite, to Mount Sinai where they received the Ten Commandments. And if you, this is unfamiliar to you, uh, go really watch pretty much any Exodus-themed movie, Prince of Egypt, or the Charlton Heston thing, and don't take it all uh, as being what the Bible says, but. Just the basic story, any of them will give you the basic story, but we're jumping in right into the middle, Exodus 17. Now all the congregation of the people in Israel moved on from the wilderness of Shin by stages, according to the commandments of the Lord. And then they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So the people quarreled with Moses, and they said to him, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why are you quarreling with me, and why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff, the same one that you used to strike the nine, and go. And behold, I will stand before you on the rock at Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people will drink. And so Moses did exactly that, in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord really with us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Ah, Lord, we come to a time when so many of us have so many things to complain about, and so we, in new ways, identify with these people wondering, more than wondering whether you're with us or not, but Lord, you are, and we trust that, even if we don't always feel it, and come to us, bring us back to you, which is what you always want to do, we pray then with confidence. There was a a younger colleague of mine recently who uh, joked that, it's like, man, I feel like I've lived through five decades, right? I had like the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and the teens and March. And so here we are in April on our uh, apparently sixth decade now. And things are just um, worse. We're, we're kind of in bad straits, and we realize that for some of us, life is is not so bad, even if we're sort of cooped up at home, uh, it's free time on our hands. And as I've had reason to comment other times, others of us are feeling like maybe we have all too much quality time with uh, some particular people on our hands. Uh, for some of us, uh, honestly, economically, we're still doing okay. Others of us are already pretty devastated and wondering how these next months or even weeks are going to go. Uh, In the Cuban household, and I I share this not to, just for the sake of of sharing information, we've had a a number of of health things going on, including uh, yours truly, who is the doctor three times this week. And I share that not to say that we have it so bad, but just to say that if you are one of those people for whom life is going really badly, Maybe I can understand a part of it, and you have others who can understand it with you. But together, things are tough right now. We're in a wilderness. We thirst for the way things were just a few months ago. I mean, can you remember three months ago? Right, January 19. We haven't even had at that point the uh, Iowa caucus, the New Hampshire primary yet, right? Like, I mean. We were, we were wondering, like, we had these rumors of this strange disease coming from China, and we had other things on our minds, most of us. If it's hard to, under- to uh, wrap our minds around three months ago, how about, you know, three years ago? Four years ago. And remembering the bits and pieces we can, life seems pretty good back then, but might I remind us, That even a couple years ago, when things seemed oh so stable, even two years ago, we felt like our country was polarized and we had a hard time talking with each other. Even two years ago, something like one out of six people in the United States was in some form of counseling, at least in the, the recent past. Fully one out of five college students was in some form of active counseling. Huge numbers of people on antidepressants. Folks, even a couple years ago or four years ago, there were all kinds of ways that life wasn't that good. Which should tell us that in some ways, life is always the wilderness. This world is always, in some ways, The wilderness in some ways we're always in between in some ways life is always always unsatisfying it's just that right now we're confronted with it because a lot of the things we normally would turn to to sort of get past have been taken away from us right so for for some of us that's sports there are only so many reruns of games you can watch it's just As much as as the glory moments are are really good it's there's only so many of them you can watch before you you want there to be a a new game with your your favorite team a lot of the kinds of entertainment that we would go to we we can't go to dinners out are not really an option at this point even going over for a night with friends or having folks over isn't something that We can do all kinds of things that we've turned to in the past to slide through and paper over and get us past feeling like this world is a wilderness just aren't available to us anymore. But friends, I think if we get anything from this, it's that God sees our thirst. God knows the things that will most deeply satisfy us, and he's with us to give us that. He's with us to satisfy us deeply, and wants us to turn to him for those things. These people of Israel, they had it really bad in Egypt. They were enslaved as a people. Their baby boys were being thrown into the Nile River to be killed. They were forced to make bricks without straw because there were so many of them, the Egyptians were afraid of them. They had it really bad in Egypt. And God showed up and with a mighty hand freed them, and we'll we'll go back to some of those stories. God freed them miraculously, time and time again showed them his supernatural power and brought them out to the other side of the sea as the waters closed in over their oppressors. And now they're on the other side, and they're following God. You notice in the reading, it said they follow the command of the Lord, stage by stage, as they followed this pillar of cloud and fire that led them step by step by step onward into their journey, ultimately to a land that God promised to give them. But they're in this place, having followed the command of God, and there's no water in their thirst, which can have a number of dramatic effects, by the way, in their thirst, they don't cry out to God directly. They don't go to the pillar of cloud and fire and pray directly, or in their own tents, pray directly. They go to Moses. They begin to quarrel with Moses. And this word quarreling is actually a, a judicial word. It's a, a law Lawyer word. It's a a word about bringing a charge. They basically charged Moses and charged God with being out to kill them. Why did you bring us out into this wilderness to kill us? There's nothing for us here. Can we relate? There's nothing for us here. Why did you bring us here? Which would be a very natural thing for any one of us to be feeling now, yeah? Why did you bring us here? But they don't bring this charge directly to God, and it's certainly not a char- charge, a, a plea of humility. It's a charge as if they're in the prosecutor's seat and God and Moses are the defendants. Rather than lashing out at the people, see what God does. The people bringing this charge against him, he doesn't actually lash out. He responds to Moses' request, Moses' questions, and says to Moses, go bring this rod, this rod, specifically the one that you use to to strike the Nile, and by the way, strike the Red Sea over the Red Sea. This rod that has been a symbol of well, God's power. And take this rod, this emblem of authority that everyone's going to recognize. Take this rod with some of the elders. So We're assembling a court now. The elders are going to be the witnesses to what God's about to do. And take this rod and go with the elders and go on before the people. Go in front of the people so that everyone gets to see what is happening here. And then I, says God, I'm going to stand for you on the rock of Korah. Now this word stand before, it's, it's actually a, a word that gets used again in a courtroom. Or with an enslaved person who's standing before a master, ready to receive a charge or indeed a punishment. This is God who's going to stand before Moses. When, by all rights, the people should be standing before God. But no, God will stand before Moses. God will stand before the people and the assembled court. God will stand on this rock. And then Moses is to take this symbol of authority, this rod that God has, in his grace, purpose to channel his power through, And Moses is going to take this rod, and he's commanded by God to take this rod and and strike the rock. And in striking the rock, water, life-giving water flows. Enough for the thousands and thousands and thousands of people to drink, and their animals, by the way, to drink. The blow should have been struck by all rights against the people, yes? To come out and have seen the Red Sea parted, to have seen all the plagues, to have seen they've been getting manna by now, by the way. Every day they're eating food that's literally bread from heaven. And having received all this, they lay a charge against God. Yes, they're confused. Yes, they have questions. God's never afraid of questions. Go read the Gospel of Mark. Jesus invites our questions always. And in his grace, he even graciously responds to our accusations when we accuse him. See, for the rest of Israel's history, again and again, they would refer to God as our rock. And it points back to This and a couple of other occasions where out of rocks, non-life-giving rocks, out of rocks, God in his grace gives life. God is our rock who satisfies us in our thirst. Again and again in Israel's worship in the Psalms, the people are invited to remember back to this event when they accused God and God answered them graciously. And then in the New Testament, we're invited to remember this, that anytime, any day, we're invited to turn our hearts back to God. The author of Hebrews says today, according to one of the Psalms, today if you'll hear God's voice, don't be like these people here that accused God. Turn back to God and receive rest. And indeed, what the Apostle Paul says is that rock that Moses struck was Christ. See, in the moment when we thought we were in the wilderness alone, we thought we were just there to die of thirst alone, God entered into our wilderness with us. That's the story of Jesus. That's the gospel. God entering into our wilderness with us and receiving the blow that we should have received. Being struck and instead of raining wrath on us, giving us life, giving water. And friends, that's the invitation to us. Stuck at home, bored out of our minds, or stuck at home and all too close with too many other people. Stuck at home and not knowing what the future holds. Stuck at home and saying, God, why did you lead us here in this seemingly God-forsaken condition, that's the invitation, is to come before God with our questions, but come to God with our thirst and ask for him to satisfy us. Friends, I think this is a key time for us as a church, as Inquite Church and indeed the Capital C Church, because this is happening globally. All of us are in very similar situations. All of us are being invited to consider that this Egypt we've been pulled out of wasn't that great. It wasn't. The fish may have been free, but we were slaves. And here we are in the wilderness and it doesn't look that great, but God is with us. And what he's after is to bring his back to himself. This whole wilderness process is God's, to use a quote from Spurgeon, is God's Oxford and Cambridge for his people. His Ivy League education for his people. The wilderness is God's time where after freeing them from the outside exterior oppression, he begins to free us from what binds us in our hearts so that we find our satisfaction in him. Friends, use this time God's invitation to all of us, to me, to all of us, is to use this time for our hearts to become His again, to let Him satisfy you. If you haven't been praying, open yourself up. Five minutes in the morning, make, as George Mueller said, your first task of the morning, and all of us, our first task of the morning, to make our hearts happy in Him. If you've begun to do that or some other spiritual practice, Add in some times of solitude, whether it's enforced by quarantine or an opportunity you have now to take some time to be alone with Him. Find new ways to get into Scripture. Find some ways to enter into the the practice of Sabbath and ceasing. Let this be a time where God gets a hold of you and. truly than anything we had back in Egypt. Anything that we can find here in the wilderness on our own. Jesus satisfies. One of the ways that I'm going to be applying this in the month of May, I'm making arrangements to to take a week and, and do a prayer retreat. And I say this not to To lift myself up in any way, but just to say that this is something in the past i found helpful and recognize that I need to step into some of these practices that God has been merciful to me in the past and reclaim and recapture. And for you, it's going to be different because all of us have different stories, but friends together, use this time to let our God give us himself once again. Please join me again in prayer. Lord God, we want and we want and we want and we want. And you give and you give and you give and you give. And And Lord, help us see that our wants and your giving, that we're literally made for each other. Please turn our hearts back to you. Forgive us for the ways that we've tried to find satisfaction in other things. And please bring us to the point where we drink again from you. We want you. We we need you. Be faithful to your word now, we pray. you would give and provide as you promise you will and yes we have needs and so we we pray for these things now Lord we pray for the need for employment and for the unemployment check to come through Lord we pray Lord for mercy for those of us who have loved ones who are sick with this disease and for other reasons Lord Have mercy and bring the healing that you promise. And bring us back to you. Teach us. Be showing us ways that you're intervening in our life to to show us your mercy and your grace and your goodness and your glory. Show us the ways that you're moving us with compassion for others to be the friends to others that you have been to us. And Lord, in your mercy, give us hope in you that however dark and however dry this time may feel, you are out even now for our good. And day by day, you invite us into life with you and conversation with you, learning always from these words that you taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.